In case I didn't get to introduce myself, my name is Troy, and me and my wife Darla get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us this morning, whether you stay here or whether you've come in town for the baby dedications, we want to say welcome and thank you for joining us. As you see, we're in a series right now called My Best Life, where we believe that the best life that God has for you and for me is in the sense of community. That's in the sense of friends and being able to do life together and enjoy life together. And kind of with the creative aspect of the series, we've been doing a social media challenge, okay? So every week we kind of give you something, a little category, and then throughout the week we encourage you to post about that category. And then when the winner, whoever we pick, we, number one, they get to kind of go up. As you can see, this was eating dinner with friends and family. This was game night. The winner goes up into the picture and they also so get a little swag bag of some victory merchandise and stuff. And so I want to take a moment and explain to you the category for this week because it was by far the most uh, active one we've done yet, which was surprising because here was the category, post an embarrassing moment, which you would think people would be like, no, 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 no. It was by far the most participation we've had yet as a church. So we went ahead and used three of them just so we could embarrass as many people as possible. But before I show them to you, do yourself a favor this evening. Once you get home and you eat your food and you're, you know, after you're slain in the spirit from the service and all those things, get up and do the hashtags and look at these people's pictures. Because I'm telling you right now, somehow it took a turn into like Throwback Thursday and it was hilarious. But let me show you the three we got real quick. And, and so <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and address the one in the middle. Uh, so the one in the middle, that's my wife. Um, and how old are you, babe, at that point? Nine, ten, glow up, girl, look at you. And so um, there she is in, I'm not really sure what that attire. It looks like one of those things that your grandma has on the kitchen table that she puts plates on. Looks like they made a uniform out of it. And so, uh, and then this is Ken, all right? So Ken, this is, this is actually more of a video. We're going to take a screenshot. Ken met Malcolm and Andrea a couple weeks ago, and their name is, last name is Sheeler. But the, the Instagram said M. Sheeler, and he thought their name was Miss Healer. They thought, he thought their last names were Healer. And so he, in this whole video, he tells the whole story of how he's been calling them the wrong name for a long time. And it was really hilarious. And it was actually embarrassing. This is more embarrassing for everybody else. Um, uh, but this is one of my favorites. I don't know if you can tell with the lights what this is. So this right here is Brittany Holloway. She serves right now on her V-Kids team. Her husband, Adam, serves on First Impressions. And this is her baby spitting up on her. Do y'all see this right here? Look at that right there, right? Now, that is, that's a winner. And so because of that, go ahead and show the winner. Brittany's going to win, right? Anytime you get spit up on your face and all up in your stuff, you're going to win. And so we'll show you. We'll put it onto the uh, graphic here. So Adam, you, I, I saw you earlier. You relay that to Brittany that she won. So we're going to put her here on the graphic. All right. So la next week is the conclusion. It's the last one. Here's the last one. The last one is going to be an outdoor adventure. And so every week I give you just an example to go by. So this is my outdoor adventure pick right here. It's, it's kind of hard to, to see, but... These are with some friends of ours, and we were at Disneyland, or Disney World, on a roller coaster. So that's an outdoor adventure. Cool? Everybody got that? I want to see as much participation on this one as we did on Embarrassing Moment. Would you give those a hand that we embarrassed this morning? Sorry for, uh, sorry, babe. I didn't pick the pictures, just so you know. Erica did, so don't be getting a brother in trouble. Um, if you got your Bibles, open up the book of Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Three, we've been in this series, My Best Life, and we've been talking about community. And here's what we talked about the first week was that community is a necessity and how you and I must have community. God modeled it and the devil's attacking it. And so we must have community. Last week, we talked about the DNA of community and how just because you hang out at Starbucks together doesn't necessarily mean you have community. Real community is common people meeting in a common place for a common 
purpose. And we kind of broke that down, and I felt like God really spoke to us in that purpose aspect. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the role of community, the role of community. Next week, we will conclude the series, and then we will launch small groups. So next week, if you're a regular at Victory, when you walk out of the service, you'll be able to meet small group leaders and be able to find times and locations and sign up and be able to start community with them. I'm excited about that, so come ready to sign up. Every time I studied for this series, I kept kind of jumping back between Acts 2 and Acts 4, because Acts 2 and Acts 4 have some pretty solid verses about the early church, the early church hanging out in the houses, community, friendship together. We've read them a couple weeks. You know, they devoted themselves to prayer, breaking bread. We talked about how they hung out at the Mexican restaurant. You know, I mean, we just, it was just it was these verses about that. And I kept skipping Acts chapter 3 because it seemed like it didn't fit. Because in the middle of the early church fellowship and hanging out, and in the early church fellowship and hanging out, right in the middle of it were these verses about Peter and John going to church and healing a lame man that was a beggar. And I didn't really see the connection, so I just kept, as I would study, I would just skip right over chapter 3. And this week, when I started my prepping time, God said, hey, you need to read it. Stop what you're doing and read Acts chapter 3, because I've got something for you, I've got something for the church. So we're going to read it real quick, and I'm going to show you what God told me. So Acts chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. The temple would have been the church. All three at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame, couldn't walk, from birth, that's going to be important later, from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts, okay? So this guy, he can't walk. They take him, and they put him in front of the temple courts to beg. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. Look at me. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have... I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple gates, walking and jumping and praising God. When I read these verses, here's what the Lord showed me, that every person, both believer and unbeliever, community plays a role in our lives. It's very important. Every individual, community is there. God created the concept of community to play a role in you and I's life. And here's the role. You ready? To meet the two desires that you and I, aside from the desire to be with, uh, have a relationship with God, the two desires that you and I have, the role of community is to meet those two desires. And I want to show you what those two desires are. Desire number one is the desire to be noticed. You and I both have a desire to be noticed. And in our culture today, everything's moving so fast, right? We, we have the attention span of a two-minute YouTube video, right? Our conversations consist of a 140-character tweet. Everything's moving so fast. I'll show you how fast it's moving. Normally, when, someone, when you ask someone, how are you, do you stand there long enough to hear their response? No. This is what we do. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. 
And you're, if they stopped, if they actually started telling you, you'd be like, I'm not interested. <laughs> Just asking to be nice. We're always moving so quickly that in our lives, the opportunity to be noticed, to be seen, carries a lot of weight. And so verse 2, watch this. People, uh, I'm sorry, let me read this, this quote from New York Times real quick. I'm sorry. As I was reading this article from New York Times, I, this kind of stood out to me when it was, it was kind of uh, categorizing us as a culture. It said, people want to be noticed, to be wanted, to be loved, to walk into a place and have others care about what you're doing. Is this you? It's me. I love this. Even what you had for lunch that day. And it's showing in our culture by social media, we want to be noticed. And so I thought it was so interesting in Acts 3, verse 2, that it says this. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from this going into the temple courts. Uh, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Watch this. Peter what? Looked straight at him. As did John. So Peter and John noticed the beggar. Understand, every day, isn't quite, uh, every day he was put at this gate. Every day people passed him, they passed him, they passed him. Do you know what the opposite of noticed is? Invisible. And every day people passed him, passed him, and he was invisible to them. And what I think is even more unique about this story is he was in front of a church. And these people were going to church. According to the, to the order of these verses, they were leaving small groups and then going to gather in the church. And the beggar was there every day. And every day they passed him without what? Noticing him. I, I think we all want to be noticed. There's always a moment where we just want to know that somebody sees who we are, sees what we're doing. We all want a moment of being noticed. But I'm learning that more and more in our culture, you can be recognized and not noticed. You can be recognized and not seen. Let me give you an example. I can't remember if I told you this story before, but it sets this up perfectly. So I'm grocery shopping at the Kroger here in Smyrna one day. And you guys know the self-checkouts, right? You got the self-checkouts. There's like six of them total. And I, I got my little, my little stuff I'm buying, and I'm in line at the Kroger checkout, and there's about 10 people in our line. So I'm maybe number six, let's just say. And we're sitting here, and no, we're, we're a very intelligent group of people. So the way we've systemed this out is that there are six uh, of the checkouts, and when one checkout becomes open, one person from the line goes, right? We're not lined up behind all the checkouts. It's just first come, first serve kind of thing. So I'm sitting there, and we're kind of talking to the people because we've been there for a minute. And this woman comes walking with her basket, and she's looking at all the candy on the aisles, you know. And I'm like, y'all are going to be us, okay? Y'all are us in the line. And she's looking at the and she goes this. She recognizes us, and she keeps walking, and she goes and stands right behind somebody working at the self-checkout. And me and all the people in line, we start going, did you see that? I know she sees us. There's 10 of us. At what point did she think, I don't belong in that line. I don't have to wait like everybody else waited, right? I'm going to go around them, and I'm going to get into this. Look, she recognized us. She looked at me. We made eye contact. She recognized me, but she didn't see me. 
because she went right on and checked out in front of us. I can prove to you right now. How many of y'all have ever been to the mall? Any of y'all ever been to the mall? How many of you ever been to the Opry Mills Mall? I can prove to you right now that you are guilty of recognizing and not seeing. Here's how I know. Because if you've been in the Opry Mills Mall, you've walked past the people who have the vendors in the middle of the mall. You know what I'm talking about? And they have the stuff they don't want anything to do with. And so you recognize them, but you act like you don't see them. You try to pretend like all of a sudden you pull your phone out like, oh, I got an important phone call. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't You just get seven phone calls all throughout the mall. I had a friend, no lie, he was a youth pastor. He would bark at them whenever they would say something to him. We'd be walking, they'd be like, they didn't know what to do. They'd be like, okay, okay. He's got rabies. Don't mess with him. But when we have that ability to recognize something, I see it's there, but I don't really see it. You know, I'm not going to give notice to it. Uh, I'll give you kind of the Christian version of this. It's when we say, I'll pray for you. Right? I got something going on. I'll pray for you. You don't even remember what they said. It's that concept of recognizing, but not really noticing. And every one of us, we have a desire to be noticed by someone. Look, we're recognized by many. Look, watch this. I want to show you verse 9. This was blew my mind, okay? They have walked by this guy hundreds of times. If he's been there every day, They've walked by him hundreds of times. It says when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. Oh, all of a sudden, you know who I am. Now I'm not begging anymore. Oh, yes, that dude. You know that dude that was sitting by the gate with the thing and doing thing? Oh, yeah, 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 that's him. I know him. No, you don't know him. You recognize him. Look, we're recognized by many people. Oh, yeah, yeah, I recognize. You got the hair and the thing with the dude and the thing. In a shirt, and he, he, he's got hair, right? You know, people will recognize you, but they don't know you. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think people think opposite, but I believe this. We don't have a desire to be recognized by many. We have a desire to be noticed and seen by a few. Not many people want a crowd. We just want a community. We just want a group of people that notice us, who can see us and go, Man, something's not right with you. You know what I'm talking about? That's how you know you're a real community with people, when you can look at them and go, man, something, something's just not right. Something, something's off. And we all want that. We want somebody who's just going to be like, how you doing? You know, I, I see you. I, I notice you. I hadn't seen your wife in a minute. I hadn't, how's your kid? I, I noticed you. It's like the great hymn said, all right? Once you, I'm gonna, and maybe you'll get this, maybe you won't, depending on the music. But uh, are you able to put up the lyrics to my hymn? Did I, did I include that in my? Because I don't know the lyrics by heart. So, no? All right, well, then I'll just, um, I'll, I'll start off with the part that I know you will know. Sometimes we want to go. If I'd have done a Cardi B song, y'all would have all started singing. Y'all need Jesus. Thank you. Okay, in case you don't know, the theme song to cheers, right? It walks through and it gets to that point where everybody wants to go. Where? Where everybody knows my name. We all want to go somewhere. We all want to have that place where we just, we just, when we walk in, last night there was a wedding for a couple that's in our church 
And um, I was able to officiate the wedding. My wife did the cake. And, and we, we, you know, we didn't know who all was invited. That wasn't, we weren't a part of that. And by the time the wedding started and the reception happened, there was like 30 people from Victory. Like it was the most incredible thing. We were the most lit people at the reception. That is for sure. Um, we all, you know, Malcolm dancing like this and all. I'm like, you, eh? you need to watch more Cheers. And so, um, but, but um, you know, it's, it's just that community. It's that group of people where everybody knows your name. And listen, it's okay to have that desire. I, I think sometimes Christians try to go, you just need to, you need to depend on God. God created community. God created it because he knew. If you have a desire, God gave it to you. And so this desire to, to have community and to be noticed by people, God put it there so it would move you forward into community because where two or more are gathered, right, so he is there. So God said, if I can draw you to two or more people, I can come be in the presence of that. What do you say? Confess your sins to one another and pray so that you may be healed. If I can draw you to that so that you'll confess your sins to one another and you'll be able to be healed, how can I do that? I'm going to put a desire in your heart to be noticed, not to be famous, not to be celebrated, to be noticed. I just want a group of people who know who I am, know my kids' names, know my issues, my problems. In the Old Testament days, see if I can do this. In the Old Testament days, if somebody wanted to be noticed by the king, <laughs> they would go in front of the king and they would lay prostrate. Does my microphone work like this? They would lay prostrate on the floor. This has to be really interesting looking for y'all. Can you imagine going before the king? What if you're like 10th in line? <laughs> hey, man, how long you been here? Yeah, been a while. Got some peanut butter crackers. And so you just laid here. Listen to me. This was normal culture. You would lay here and wait to be noticed. Y'all should try this when you get home. Not unless you, or if you haven't cleaned your carpet recently, don't do it, but. I, I think, I don't think we do this physically, but I think we do this emotionally and spiritually. I think when we post certain things on Instagram, this is the posture we have. I, I want to be noticed. When I say things on Facebook just to get attention, this is the posture I have. When I act away because I want to be what? noticed. I just, I just want to be noticed. And the way it would work is the king would come and the king would put his hand on the chin and would lift your face to see. Now watch me again. Try to imagine the relief the moment you saw the hand come. Because this is a very vulnerable position, in case you're wondering. But when you saw the hand come, when you notice somebody, that's the ministry you're operating in. You're releasing people from that posture. This is why I think the best ministry principle that Jesus ever taught us was to see people. 
I told you before, Jesus did more ministry outside of the church than he ever did in the church. But here's what I love about Jesus. If you follow him through the New Testament, you'll see he's always noticing people. Always. He saw that. He saw the woman at the well. He saw the blind man, right? He saw the guy at the pool of Bethesda. He was always seeing people. It was never Jesus recognized them or Jesus. It was always Jesus saw them. He noticed them. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 9, it says this, and I think this is so powerful. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Yay! Jesus healed every disease and sickness, right? Yay! Okay, watch this. When he what? Y'all paying attention? When he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion on them. So when we read it, we get excited about the healings, but the healing It's not in order. The first thing he did was what? Saw them. And when he saw them, what he saw led him to compassion. And the compassion led to healing. You will set people free and you will heal people when you see them. And you will be healed when you are seen. In Memphis, I was on staff. I was the executive pastor, and so I often had to handle different things. And we were, uh, our church was located in a main poverty-stricken area, and we had one of the top outreach ministries of the city. And so on a daily basis, people would come knocking on our doors asking for money. And, and you know how the process works with benevolence. You can't just give cash out. And so we had systems set up, food, groceries, clothes, all kinds of different things to be able to meet needs. But we got crazy people all the time crazy people with crazy things that they wanted. And you could often tell when someone was like legitimate or just crazy. And so um, one particular day I was in my office and I get the phone call from the receptionist. She says, hey, I need you to come down. This lady is losing it. And so I come down and there were some younger people on staff in the room and you could tell they didn't know what to do. They were angry at her. She won't quit crying and screaming. I said, look, get, get out the room, get out the room. So, so they leave the room. And I walked in and I sat down on the receptionist's desk, on the corner of the receptionist's desk. And I looked at this lady. So the first thing I did was what? I saw her. I looked right at her. And I said, hey, what do you need? She was crying. Ah! You know, you, know, you, get, you get the ugly crowd and your, your whole body starts, starts doing that. She was doing that. I said, sit down, sit down. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Here's what she said. She said, my kids are getting ready to go back to school. And they have to wear uniforms. And I've got the uniforms. I don't need the uniforms. She said, but I don't have an iron, and I really don't want to send my kids to school in wrinkled clothes. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. I had, I had, what did I have? Compassion. I saw her, and then once I noticed her, I found out the story. Now I had compassion. I said, all you want is an iron? I said, That's all I want is an iron. So I grabbed my wallet, put out 40 bucks. I said, here, I know you can get an iron from Walmart for 40 bucks. Go get you an iron. She hopped up. She started hugging me. Oh, you're so thin. All that kind of stuff. And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Check this. The next week, her entire family was in church. And to the day that we left Memphis, her entire family was still going to church. You see them? It leads you to compassion. Compassion leads to miracles. Jesus never asked you to perform a miracle on anybody. He just asked you to notice them. Because once you start noticing people, he'll operate through you and do the miracles through you. Our biggest problem as Christians today is we don't notice anybody. 
We have to stop and notice. But listen, here's why we can't notice people, because we don't feel noticed ourselves. And the way we feel noticed is to provide a community around us. Hear me. You know, the system with church a lot of times is, well, the pastor should notice me. Look, I'm only one person. I can't notice everybody, right? And number one, I got to notice my wife and my kids first. That's the first ministry. You better notice your kids. And so, but as you get a group of people around you who you love and it's a community, those people begin to notice you and that's all you need. And that will inspire you, guess what, to notice them and then you begin to minister to each other and it's almost like God designed it to begin with. So community meets the desire for you and I to be noticed. Number two, it meets the desire for you and I to be needed. Every one of us have a desire to be needed. My children desire to be needed. Those of you that have small kids, do you you have this? My three-year-old, when I make eggs, she wants to break the eggs, right? I'm like, that's a disaster just waiting to happen, right? You know what I mean? She's like, come on, let me do it. She she has a desire to be needed. My eight-year-old wants to be needed. We all want to be needed because we were created for what? Purpose. And when God creates you for a purpose and you're walking around purposeless, something isn't right. So God put a desire in you to be needed. But how does community meet a desire to be needed? I asked that same question and God showed me something that literally for the rest of this week I could not wait to show it to you. So here's where we go. First, verse 7, I want to show you something first. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Read this with me. Jumped to his feet and began to. He jumped to his feet and he began to. He jumped to his feet and began to. Okay, cool. Make sure you got it. So he's healed, right? Not only can he walk, but brother can jump. Now he might have been white, so that doesn't mean he can jump well. But 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 he could jump. He could jump and he could walk. And so I read that, and I'm like, all right, he's healed. He's completely healed. Then I read verse 11, and something didn't add up. I kept on reading, and then it said, while the man held on to Peter and John. Now, wait a minute. You just told me that his ankles were made strong, that he jumped, and he what? Okay, because y'all read that too then, right? I didn't make that up. And then two verses later, you're telling me he's holding on to Peter and John. Jamal, come here. Blake, come here for a second. All right, leave leave your stuff. All right, um, let's practice this for a second. Let's just make sure I get this correct. Because sometimes the best way to read the Bible is in motion picture. Okay, so (laughs) let's just get this straight. Come here. Come on. You going to let him beat you here? You was closer to the stairs. You need. All right, so so come. Man, I should have picked shorter than me. Um, Okay, so he's holding on to Peter and John. Now, in a minute, we're going to really get going on this, okay? So just go ahead and get good position. He's holding on. Let's let's walk a little bit. Let's act like I'm not even going to walk. Just turn to Galatians chapter 2. I know. I'll lose weight. Don't worry. Okay, so he's holding on. Let's walk to the left. Let's go to the So So let's just say he's having a hard time walking. So he's holding on to Peter. Is this what y'all see when you read? Is this what y'all picked up? Turn around for me. We're going to. We don't want to kick Blake's pedal board thingy. Um, All right, so keep going. So he's holding on. 
All right, we're going to get over here so that you guys can stand here for a minute because i got more preaching to do. So stand, right, turn around, face the crowd. He's holding on. All right, stand right there. Let me come back to that spot. Ooh, all right, so is that what y'all saw? So me too. So if he got healed strong enough to jump and walk, why would he be holding on to Peter and John? And then God told me this. Troy, if you remember the verse at the beginning, it said he had been lame since what? Birth. Which means since he was a baby, he's been carried everywhere he goes. Everywhere. If the brother wanted to use the bathroom, he had to be carried. If he wanted to go eat some food, he had to be carried. If he wanted to go outside, he had to be carried. Everywhere he went, he had to be carried. And all of a sudden, like that, he could walk. So the reality is, he's healed. But his mentality is he needs to be carried. His mentality doesn't match his reality. So, until my mentality matches my reality, I need to be carried. Let's go. See what I'm saying? I I know I've been healed, and I know I can walk, but the reality is, my mentality's not there yet. So I need Blake and I need Jamal to carry me until finally things start coming into my mind a little bit and my reality starts to be matched up with my mentality and now all of a sudden I realize I can walk. This is what happens in our Christian life. Before you ever accepted Christ, you were a hot mess. Newsflash, you're still a hot mess. And what happened is you got changed like this. You went from bondage to freedom like this. You, you, you went from bound for hell to bound in heaven like this. You went from nobody to an heir of the throne like this. And so it makes sense that even though you've been healed, your mentality isn't quite caught up yet with your reality. And so the way you act sometimes won't honor and it won't reflect the real you of who you are because you've been set free by God, but you've been carried your entire life. And so when you're trapped in sin your entire life, it's really hard for you to all of a sudden be away with that 24 hours later. And so God said, I'm going to give you community. And when you have the right community, oh, thank you, Lord, they will hold you up until your mentality catches up with your reality. How does community make me needed? Community makes you need it because I need somebody to hold me up until my reality matches my mentality. And so until I can fully walk, I need you to hold me up. You ever noticed our Christian pursuit of Jesus is called our Christian what? Walk. And I think when we don't have community, this is what we look like trying to walk the Christian life. I ain't going to be able to use these things. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry, Pastor. I'm going to do that Bible study you was talking about. I'm going to pray again. I even got me a Christian girlfriend. (laughs) I'm on to the move, right? And we're trying. And look, this isn't bad. This isn't horrible. But, But I just keep this up until I can finally learn how to walk. 
I got saved at 17. I'm 47, but these things, they hurt my armpits. But, but I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. And look, it's not bad, but can I tell you something? I've never had a crutch encourage me. I've never had a crutch pray for me. I've never had a crutch tell me, hey, man, me and my wife went through the same thing two years ago. Let me tell you how to navigate that. I've never had a crutch do that for me. I have had community do that for me. And so most Christians who walk around without community look like this. And God is saying, what are you doing? I gave you community to hold you up while you were still trying to figure out how to walk. So let me show you again. Why are you so... As I'm trying to get the reality of who I am in God, I, I need my brothers. Until my marriage is perfect, I need my brothers, right? Until I know how to not beat my kids, I, I need my brothers. Because I'm, I, know, I know I'm healed. I know that I'm victorious in God. I know I'm a great husband because the Bible says so. I know I'm a great father. I know I've been set free in God. But I'm still trying to figure that out. And so the more I need, I need you to carry me. But here's what's interesting about community is what happens when all of a sudden Jamal, this is Jamal, what happens if all of a sudden Jamal needs to be carried? Brandon, what you doing? Get up here for a second. Hurry up, too. Act like you got somewhere to be. So now Jamal needs to be carried. So watch this. I said act like you got somewhere to be. I didn't say take your time. Put your, put your arm around him. Now, put your, now move your arm to my shoulder. Oh, Shundai. What's happening? Now community's still working in it. But that's what Jamal was down this time. Because Jamal forgot for a minute about the victorious of who he was in God, the victory of who he was in God. Now he needs to be carried. Now, Brandon, turn us around. You're the navigator. All right, welcome. Welcome to flight school. Okay, so are you getting it, church? Are you getting it? All right, now don't go anywhere. Go, go stand out of the way of the screen, but don't go anywhere. We're going to need you one more second. Okay, so let me help you with this. What is the reality? If community is about keeping your mentality or, or keeping you pursuing reality into the mentality, catch yourself, what's the reality? I wanted to show you just a little bit. Because if I ever tried to take time to walk you through the reality of who you are in God, it would take me all day. But I thought it'd be fun to just do a few things. So do you have that slide for me? All right, so watch this. Now, here's just a couple of things. Second Corinthians tells us that in God we're virtuous. We are virtuous in God, right? Ephesians tells us we're what? Intelligent. Says you have the mind of God. Can you imagine that? Philippians says you're capable. You are able to do all things. Second Corinthians says you are transformed. You're a new creation. First John says you are what? An overcomer. How many of you need to know you're an overcomer, right? I'm an overcomer. Uh, Ephesians says I'm redeemed. You're not who you are. You're not your past. You've been redeemed. Romans says you are inheritor of the kingdom of God. You are now an heir to the throne of, because of Christ. Colossians says you're overflowing, overflowing. If you ever feel like you don't have enough because of God, you not only do you, not only do you have enough, have too much. It's, it's overflowing. Ephesians says you are upright. This is probably the hardest thing we do because we constantly try to walk upright without God. It's what I said earlier. You can't walk upright without God. And then Colossians says we are strengthened. Now, did, you, did you see the acronym? Anybody see the acronym? Anybody catch the acronym? Thank you, brother. I knew you were paying attention. Kept you awake. 
We are victorious in God. This is the reality of who you are. And that's just a little bit. There's 66 books in the Bible. I didn't even talk about 10. And touched on the reality of who you and who I are in God. The chances of your mentality not matching that reality are very good. Because it's so hard for us to look in the mirror and not see the imperfect us instead of seeing the perfect God. I'm sure there's a lot of men, you don't see yourself victorious. You don't see yourself redeemed. You don't see yourself strengthened. Ladies, you might not see yourself capable or intelligent or virtuous. That's the reality, though, that you are. And I think God designed community to hold you up until your mentality can finally match the reality. The more I thought about this, I thought this was interesting because there's two places in the church where this happens. One is small groups because you become known by people. You get noticed by people. Number two, you become needed because if they're my small group, I just showed you how I'm needed. And then it also happens in the dream team. I thought that was interesting. Because if you're in a dream team here, you have a small group of people who know you. And every Sunday and every Saturday and every day of the week, you are needed. So let me, just one more time, come, come back over here. I want, if I was going to leave you with a picture, I wanted to leave you with this. I tell you what, y'all hold Brandon up. I'm tired of trying to stretch over Jamal's tall self. So if I was going to leave you a picture, I'd leave you with this. Which picture do you think was God's original idea? Yeah. Why don't, it's, no, it's very easy. It's very easy. But it's going to take you being vulnerable and stepping out in the beginning. But I'm listening to me right now. This can work. It can. But it's a lot harder than that. got a desire to be known, to be noticed. You got a desire to be needed. And God created a community to meet that desire. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your word. That God, your word, this word is still alive and it's still moving, still changing lives. And that I could read something that I'd skip over for weeks and you'd show me a principle that would change my life. And so I pray right now for our realities that we would begin to grasp how much you love us, how victorious we are in you and how we're strengthened in you, how we're virtuous in you, how we're intelligent within you, we're redeemed in you. And I pray right now for every person who struggles with that reality I pray that, God, they would find those that would be able to encourage them and lift them up and hold on to them until their reality matches their mentality. Now, church, listen to me for a second. Don't even have to open your eyes or anything. Just listen to me. I wrote one last sentence on this sermon before, before I saved it and filed it away for this morning. 
and I felt God tell me this. I am giving you your culture's definition of discipleship. Holding one another up until your mentality matches your reality. And we've been called to make disciples. And that's how we'll do it, by holding others up until their mentality meets the reality. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.